invite you to take your Bible this morning as we turn together once again to Exodus chapter 20. We're making our way through the Ten Commandments, and as was mentioned earlier, the children have remained with us, and for good reason, because we come now this morning to the fifth of the Ten Commandments, and you see how it's so important for the children to hear this and to be with us. We love having them on Family Day, Family Sunday, we call it, the first Sunday of the month. But it didn't work out quite so that they would be here uh, today. So we made it a special day. Just let them come on in, in spite of it not being a regular Family Day. And we appreciate parents understanding that. And I think you'll agree that it is good for children of all ages to hear this message this morning. I know it's done me a world of good. And I know it will you as well if you're an older child as I am or a younger child still at home with mom and dad. This is a a scripture that has many applications. And uh, this is going to be, this message is going to be heavy, heavy in application. Some scriptures are heavier into exposition. And there are details to be combed through and worked through and understood I think you'll agree this fifth commandment is pretty plain and simple. So we're going to spend most of our time on the application of this fifth commandment. Let's read it together. We'll just focus in and hone in on the one. And so we're reading verse 12 of Exodus 20. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, how grateful we are to be here today, to be able to worship you, our Father and our God, the one and only true God. Thank you for sending your Son and your Spirit to bring about our salvation and to help us now in understanding the Word of God, and applying the Word of God to our, to our lives. Lord, we pray that you will guide us now in our thoughts, help us to pay attention, help us to glean all that we can from the message today. And Lord, our prayer always is that our homes will be stronger, that they would be more pleasing unto you, that parents would be encouraged by the message today, that children would be encouraged as well, and all of us would be built up that we might be your people, strong, committed to you, strong in faith and strong in grace and, Lord, committed more than ever to your word, not only in words, but in action, in attitudes. May your word today shape us, form us, and transform us. We pray for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is the fifth commandment. We've already looked at the first four, and this fifth one is special and unique for, let me give you a couple of reasons. First of all, this is the first of the Ten Commandments having to do with our relationship with one another. The first four have to do with the vertical relationship, that is our relationship to God, our responsibility solely and entirely between us and Him. But now... The last six of the Ten Commandments have to do on a horizontal level. And it's important that it begins here with the relationship in the home. Because as you know, 
I think you know this. I hope you know this. Everything in our life begins at home. If our home life is not right, then nothing will be right. And everything starts in the home. This is God's doing. He set up the home. As He established the church, as He established the government in our lives, He also established the family unit and the home. So it is unique in that sense that it begins the second table, as we sometimes call it, the second grouping, having to do with our duties toward our fellow man. You see, home is where we learn about authority, true? It's where we learn the structure of authority. And then we begin to understand as it relates to other areas of life, like on the job and with government and police and people in authority. But we learn that at home. And if we don't learn it at home, we just mess up and life gets totally out of whack. If children are not taught respect at home, they probably won't respect other people. If children don't respect mom and dad, they are not likely to respect their teacher. Or anybody else for that matter. So it's so vital that we apply it first in the home, but don't just limit it to the home. It has a far-reaching effect and application. Then also another unique factor about this uh, commandment is that this is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. In fact, when Paul is writing, referring to this over in the book of Ephesians, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And this is the first commandment with promise. He says that. And you see the promise attached to it, don't you? That thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Someone suggested it would be a good idea in a child's room for parents to put a little poster or uh, something in letters big enough to read. That is when their children are old enough to read. That says something along this line. Caution disobedience to mom and dad may be hazardous to your health. Well, that's what the Bible says. And so it is important for that reason as well. There's a promise attached to it, and it is foundational in the sense we learn to live life with other people in relationships by learning them first at home as we honor our father and mother. So I said this was going to be heavy on application, and it is going to be. We're going to look at a word here, and we're going to look at the word honor and think about that. But otherwise, we're going to do a lot of applying this message. And boys and girls, are you out there? Say amen. Boys and girls, amen? Amen. We do have some. I hear them high and low. You pay attention. Older children, let's pay attention. And let's understand what God means by what He says Honor your father and your mother. Several things I want to share with you this morning from my heart and from God's word. First of all, what does this mean? How do you honor your parents? Well, you respect them. You respect your parents. In fact, it's been pointed out that all the Ten Commandments can be stated in terms of respect. It's interesting to see all the Ten Commandments in the lens or through the lens of respecting For example, the first commandment, you could think of it as respecting the one true God. That would be true to what it says, isn't it? Number two, the second commandment, respect the unique 
spiritual nature of God. That is, don't reduce Him into some kind of tangible, visible object or image or idol. Respect Him for who He is. He is a spirit, the uncreated spirit, the holy God. So we respect His nature. Then we respect the Lord's holy name. And we are told, do not, uh, do not take it in vain. And then we respect God's holy day. So respect, respect, respect. And now here we come to honor your father and mother. And obviously, right at the core of that word honor is this idea of respecting your mother and your father. And then if we were to go on to the next commandment, we could also see that through the lens, respect human life, thou shalt not kill. Respect the covenant of marriage, thou shalt not commit adultery. Respect people's property, thou shalt not steal. Respect someone's reputation and respect the truth. Don't bear false witness. You see how all of these have to do with respect? If we're right with God, we first of all have to respect Him and that's fearing God. And then we will respect His day, His name, and then others. We will respect them. And it starts with mom and with our dads. This word honor, it comes from a Hebrew word. When it says honor your father and thy mother, it comes from a Hebrew word that means to have weight or to be heavy. Now, this has nothing to do with body weight, but it has to do with something that someone has who has weight attached to them. The idea in the Hebrew mind and language was something with weight was something significant. And so attached with that word honor is also the word glory. You're familiar with that in the Bible. Glorious is the Lord. His word is full of glory. His glory is seen throughout all the universe. Well, that's a similar word, similar to this idea, and the very word for honor is the word glory. So we are to attach absolute, ultimate significance and weight to God, but then you bring that down. We also do that in the home with our parents. So we think of them in honorable ways. They have a value that we attach to them that's high and significant. So we are to think of our parents highly. We are to speak of our parents highly, are we not? We're to talk respectfully and think respectfully. And so not only do we talk to them with respect, we talk about them with respect. You can tell if a teenager, I'll use teenager as an example because it seems like that's where a lot of us have issues understanding this or maybe getting under this and obeying this and honoring this commandment is you can tell a lot about a teenager, what he really thinks of his parents when he's alone with other teenagers and how he talks about his parents when he's not around his parents. Isn't that true? And it should be that a, a teenager should speak with great dignity and honor and respect about his parents if they are in his presence or her presence or not. Let me just put this down where the rubber meets the road as we say. Children at any age should never refer to their parents 
as my old lady or my old man. Clearly a violation of honoring your father and mother. And so we are to honor them. This is unconditional. That is to say, you honor your father and mother whether they really deserve honor or not. That is, they may be good parents, they may not be good parents. That's not the issue. It does not say here, honor good fathers and good mothers, does it? It says, honor your father and mother because of who they are, not because of what they do or because of what they don't do. So it is an unconditional honoring and respecting. And then it's unlimited as to time. Obviously, we honor them when we're under their roof and under their care and instruction and living with them. But there never is a time limit on this. You honor them when you live with them, when they bring you up and take care of doing everything for you. And then when you grow up and get on your own, you still are under this mandate of honoring them. You never outgrow it. So respect your parents. Number two is to obey your parents. And that's the way it's spoken of, as I mentioned, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, also in Colossians, uses the word obey. Now, what's the difference between honoring and obeying? Well, I don't suppose it's splitting hairs, really, to think of it like this. That is, it's a meaningful difference. Honor, respect, has to do with attitude. That's basically what it has to do with, mainly to respect is to have an attitude of respect, an attitude of honor. Whereas obedience has to do with actions. This is where it shows from day to day and from moment to moment if we really do respect them. So it says that children are to obey our parents. Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Colossians 3.20. Children, Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. There was a Duke of Wellington from England who came and paid a visit to America. And after his visit, he sarcastically said this, The thing that impresses me most about your country, speaking of America, is the way parents obey their children. Well, you know, that's sad, but that's sadly true. That parents are wanting to please the children instead of the other way around. But children may be thinking, and maybe we have said this or thought this, but, but wait, pastor, my parents are not always right. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say to obey them because they're right. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. There's a difference. No, parents are not always right. I'm a parent, and I'll be the first to admit, we're not always right, are we, parents? We're not always right. There's no perfect parents, and therefore children should not expect perfection out of their parents. But it says here, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And when it says to obey them in the Lord, it means you submit to them because the Lord has put them in that position in your life. You do that as unto the Lord because it is of the Lord that they are your parents. All of it is by His design. He has set it up that way. And so we do it as unto the Lord. 
And there's no way that you can obey the Lord without obeying your parents. If you obey your parents, you are, in essence, obeying the Lord. They, they, they tie together. You can't have the one without the other. You cannot disobey parents and expect to be respecting and obeying the Lord. It just will not work. It never has. It never will. And so the only reason why you should disobey, I'll just give you this qualification. There's only one qualification when you disobey mom and dad, and that is when they ask you to do something that the Bible strictly forbids, clearly forbids, or that they keep you from doing something that the Bible clearly commands. You have to obey God first. But unless and until they ask you to do something contrary to the Scripture, then you and I as children should obey our parents. It's interesting, a couple of passages you would not think would speak to this, actually do speak to this, in terms of how bad the world is going to get. We know the world's in pretty bad shape, don't we? And this was predicted. The Bible says in the New Testament, it's not going to get any better before Christ comes, only going to get worse. Evil is going to continue and persist and even get on a worse scale. And it says that in a couple of places specifically. One, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, where Paul writes to young Timothy, and this, by the way, was his last letter, Paul's last letter So it's kind of like things he wanted to say before he passed on and went to be with the Lord in paradise and glory. He says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Dangerous times. That's what perilous means. And then he lists several things about the dangerous end times. Listen to some of the descriptions. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and on and on the list goes. Right in the middle of that dark, hellish list is disobedience to parents. That ought to tell us how God puts it in a certain category. It is filthy, it is vile, it is wicked. It's in a list of all these other things. The same happens in Romans chapter 1. Paul's describing the horrible sins of the unbelieving, pagan, heathen world there. And it's an ugly scene. Uh, There's nothing quite like that in in the Bible. Romans 1, it's a dark, dark chapter. But right in the middle of that description of the wickedness where he includes backbiters, haters of God, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, there is this phrase again disobedient to parents. So it's in the dark list of Scripture. And God says we are to obey. We are not to disobey our parents. In fact, in Romans 1, it goes on to say that those who do those things, including disobedience to parents, are worthy of death. Worthy of death. And there was the death penalty in the Old Testament under Jewish law that those who were rebellious against their parents were, in fact, put to death. Now, we're not under that aspect of Old Testament Jewish law, but we are still under this fifth of the tenth, Ten Commandments, where it says, honor your father and your mother. So we still, even though we don't face the death penalty, at least from our fellow man, 
God could take us out at any time, right? And who knows but what some have prematurely died because of this violation of this very commandment. So, honor them. That means respect them. It means obey them. And then a third thing it means is to help them. Help your parents. Be helpful to your parents. That's a way of honoring your father and your mother. Proverbs has many good things to say about parenthood and about the role of children in obeying and honoring their parents. Here's one, Proverbs 10, verse 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Think of that. There's work to be done, and just a sluggish, sleepy, no good child causes shame to his parents in time of harvest. So how does that equate to our situation? We don't live in an agricultural world like the Jews in the times of Proverbs did. But what it does say is that children ought to be helpful. They ought to help their moms and dads. If there's yard work to be done, if there's housework to be done, then they ought to get involved if they are there. I know they have school and this and that. But just to sit around like mom and dad or to wait on them hand and foot, that's certainly not honoring mom and dad. There was a certain household and one of the children uh, was looking at a picture, an old picture of the father and the mother. And you know how kids will blurt something out. He looked at that picture and he asked his father, he said, Dad, is that when mom came to work for us? (laughs) Oh boy, that's bad. So we learn to honor them by working, by helping, by doing, by shouldering part of the, the load that they carry. Then another thing we can do is to thank them. We should thank our parents. That's a way of honoring our parents. The Bible says in the last days, those passages I referred to, that people will be ungrateful. And one reason we see a world that's increasingly ungrateful And unthankful is because it was never learned at home. And a lot of times children will learn that from wives and mothers being thankful to fathers and husbands. And likewise, husbands being thankful to their wives in front of the children. Instead of just having to say, now what do you say, Johnny? What do you say, Susie? No, you say it and then they begin to learn it, don't they? If there's an attitude the spirit of gratitude and thankfulness in the home, then children pick up on that, at least they should. And this is what honors parents, to thank them for who they are and what they do. So maybe a good question today is to simply ask as a child, whether you're a grown child, an older child, or a young child still at home, when was the last time you actually thanked your mom and dad for certain things? When was the last time you thanked them for your comfortable home? I actually said it. You know, I just love our home, Dad. I love our home, Mom. Thank you for making it so pleasing, comfortable, nice, neat, warm. It's a place that we're glad to be, happy to be in this home. What about good food, clothes, your bed? Have you thanked them for paying the bills? Well, we may or may not know that as a young child, but as you get older, you should be aware that somebody's paying the bills, that the lights come on because somebody paid the light company. 
and somebody paid the heat bill and all those things. Somebody puts the gas in the car. It never hurts to say thank you. And parents appreciate that so very much. You say, well, that's their job. That's their responsibility. Yeah, but everybody likes encouragement. And everybody likes to hear a word of thanks. Here's a few more reasons you ought to give thanks. Your parents brought you into the world. Amen? I know God was the orchestrator of that, but He used your parents to do that. They care and provide for you. They mold and shape your life. They teach you about God and your place in this world and God's will for your life. Parents do that. And so it would be good, at least every once in a while, for children to thank their parents on the way home from church. Mommy, Daddy, I'm glad we went to church. Thanks for taking us to church today. That doesn't hurt a thing. And it honors God and it honors your parents. Because not all parents, sadly, bring their children to church. And it's been that way for some time. Here's another way that we honor mom and dad, as the Bible tells us to. And that is to pray for them. Even the youngest of children can pray for their parents. And I must say, if I had to do over, I would have prayed more for mine. I would have. I would say, and I guess many of you as older adults now would say, if I knew then what I know now, I would have prayed more for them. Isn't that true? Because you realize now more than you did then how much of what they do, the decisions they make, the values they have, have a direct impact on your life and your well-being and the direction of your life. So you're praying for them, but really you're praying for yourself. And so we need to pray because so much is resting on that. God's guidance, God's blessing in their life. You know, it's not easy being a parent. That's a good place for an amen, parents. (laughs) It's not easy, is it? It is the hardest job you'll ever love. It is, without a doubt. It's the most humbling job that you will ever know on earth that is to be a parent. has been for us. I think most all of you would agree with that. And children need to know what I've said already. There are no perfect parents. And have you thought about this? There are no professional parents. We know the difference between an amateur and a professional, don't we? I love golf. I play some amateur golf. I guess if you're not a professional, you're all in the category of an amateur. And you watch those pros play, and you know the difference between a professional and an amateur. Isn't that true? An amateur is always learning. A professional, I suppose, is learning, but he's just fine-tuning. You know, he's just, it's just a matter of, is he going to shoot this under par or this much more under par? You know, There are no professional parents. And it's always, my experience, your experience, all parents would say this, we learn as we go and it's on the job training and about the time the children leave, you begin to think you might have learned something along the way. And then you say, man, I wish I could go back and redo when there's no redos. So children, understand your mom and dad are doing the best they can do under God. And we're trying and we need grace We need your prayers. We need wisdom. And we need a heart from God to do the right thing and say the right thing, to teach you the right 
way. Number six, if you're keeping notes, be a blessing to your parents. We ought to have that as our goal in life. One of our top goals in life, to always be a blessing, to be a joy to our parents. Let me give you some Proverbs that make this so very clear. I love the book of Proverbs. I encourage you to read that a chapter a month, one proverb or one chapter a day. Read through the whole book every month. It's priceless, priceless. And you'll run across verses like this, Proverbs 10, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Well, you can just feel that one, can't you? There's nothing any more gratifying than for a parent to have a wise child. And nothing more grievous or burdensome or heavy as a weight to deal with in life if you have a foolish child who is making a mess out of their life. I've seen that. I've experienced that by observation, thankfully, more than by personal experience of others who have children that just cannot be controlled and children that are not making their parents proud, as we say, or glad There's a heaviness there. Proverbs 23, verse 15. It says, My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Proverbs 23, verse 24 and 25. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice. And he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad And she that bear thee shall rejoice. And so being a parent can either be the greatest delight or it can be the heaviest burden. So it is our part as a child to make it go in the right direction. That we, by God's grace, will be a blessing and only a blessing and not a burden to our parents. Not a weight of heaviness. Then number seven, enjoy your parents. Enjoy them. To honor them, is a part of that is enjoyment. Because parents sense when the children want to be around them. And this again is kind of trying sometimes during teenage years. When we sometimes joke about that. Well, they're now getting older and they don't want mom and dad around. Well, I guess that's to be expected to a point. But don't take that too far. They're still your mom and still your dad. And so the time will come that you won't always be living at home. And the time will come that not only you may leave them, you probably will, but they will leave you. And so enjoy them while you have them. I can say that. Enjoy them while you have them. And when Nancy and I moved back here to Bristol, well, first let me say when we moved away from Bristol, It was 1983 for me to go to school in Memphis, and that's a long way. And little do you realize how long that is until you drive it. And I can tell you, driving it for years, it never gets any shorter. It's an all-day drive. I heard Dr. Adrian Rogers say one time to a group of people in Memphis, and speaking about Bristol, but he was talking in Memphis, he says, I don't care where you're going, when you drive from here to Bristol, you're halfway there. And that's true. 
<laughs> it just seemed like you drive and drive and drive. But that was when we left in 1983, and all four of our parents were living. We come back in 1998, two of them were gone. And as I stand before you here today, all of them are gone. So this is natural. This is normal. Enjoy them while you have them. And then you will have the memories. Just make sure those memories are good memories. That's what we need to work on. And I want to encourage you to think that way. Daily, weekly, make sure that you're making memories good memories. Because some are living with bad memories. Heavy memories of times with moms and dads. Here's another one that's so very important, so very practical. How do we honor our father and mother? By forgiving our parents when they need forgiveness. And we've already said parents are going to need forgiveness because we all make mistakes. And so what do we do? Do we hold a grudge? Do we hold it against them? Or do we forgive and go on as we're supposed to do in marriage for that matter? It works the same with parents and children and children and parents. It works all the way around. It's like oil in a piece of machinery. It just keeps it working. But we're thinking about parents and how they need forgiveness. Here's some great verses for the family. Ephesians 4 verse 32 Paul's not writing specifically to family, but apply it to our family. We should. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Isn't that wonderful? Have a heart of forgiveness, even as God forgave you. Did he have to forgive you? Of course not. You don't have to forgive, but you're supposed to forgive. And who better to forgive than to forgive your parents or forgive your children, forgive your husband, forgive your wife. It's so very important. First Peter 4, 8, And above all things have fervent charity or love among yourselves, for love or charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And in Proverbs 10, verse 12, again says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. There's a great illustration of this in the book of Genesis. We all remember Noah. We probably remember him most as being the, the boat builder, if you please, the ark builder. And remember also he was a preacher. Remember also he was a husband. Remember also he was a father. And you remember on board that boat were Noah, Mrs. Noah, and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. He only had three boys. And their wives, Mrs. Shem, Mrs. Ham, and Mrs. Japheth. So eight people aboard that boat. Maybe what you've forgotten about Noah, uh, you may have remembered all that, but what happened when Noah got off the ark? Noah planted a vineyard. And from that vineyard, he obviously made some, some wine. Some was probably unfermented, some became alcoholic. Because we know from reading the Scripture that after he had planted that vineyard and after he had been drinking the fruit of the vine, as we call it, the Bible tells us something we wouldn't expect of Noah. He was inside his tent, sort of in a drunken stupor. The Bible doesn't use that word, but it says he was unclothed. And he was in, lying in shame and just, you know, in a terrible state. And one of his sons, Ham, 
the boy named Ham came in and saw his dad in that terrible condition, having drunk the wine, was being uncovered, naked in his shame. And what did Ham do? He went and told his brothers. And he said, you'll never believe. Of course, paraphrasing, you'll never believe. I just saw dad. You'll never believe what's happened to him. And you know what those other two sons, to their credit, did? They went into the tent, but they didn't go in to look and to gaze and to make fun of their dad. The Bible tells us what they did. They took a covering and they went in backward. One got a hold of one piece of the material, one got a hold of the other piece, and they went in this way and covered their father up so that they would not look upon his shame. Wonderful act of love. A wonderful act of honoring mom or honoring dad. And this is what we're to do. We're to forgive in the sense of covering over their mistakes, forgiving them and honoring them and not exploiting their uh, failures and their flaws. Someone said the best of men are still men at best. That's a good quote. I don't know who said that, but it's true. So here's Noah, good in all that he did, even a preacher of righteousness. I think I left that out. He was that. And yet, in a moment, bad judgment, we're not sure of all the details, but there he was. But the children, one wanted to make much of it in the wrong way, and the two honored their daddy and covered him. Here's something else we do to honor our father and mother, and that is listen and learn from them. Listen and learn from them. The Bible tells parents we are to instruct our children. We're to train our children in the ways of the Lord especially. It's good to teach them how to do things and how to live life and you know that sort of thing. But don't overlook the most important, and that is teaching them the principles and the truths of the Word of God. That's a parental responsibility. And on the other end, it is the child's responsibility to listen and to learn. And our tendency as sinful human beings at all ages is not to listen and not to learn and to tune them out and overlook them or dismiss what they say. And we should never, ever do that. Again, we turn to the book of Proverbs Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 6, verse 20, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. And then one more, Proverbs 13.1, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner, Heareth not rebuke. And so we need to listen. We need to learn. We need to glean all that we can from our parents. And again, looking back, many as adults would go back and say, I wish I'd listened better. I wish I'd learned more. Uh, they tried to teach me better. I can't blame it on mom and dad. No, that's good. They taught you right. But we must listen and we must learn. Someone has figured out that the peak years of mental ability must be between the age of 4 and 20. And here's why they said that. At age 4, we have all the questions. And at age 20, we think we have all the answers. Isn't that something? It's true, isn't it? 
we think as we're getting older and through those teenage years, well, I know that. Ah, Dad, I don't need to hear that. Or I've heard that. You always say that. You know, when parents always say something, there's usually a reason why. Because that's important. And they want you to hear it again and again and again. We could think of this in terms of this simple illustration. If you had parents that had taken a long road trip, and you had not gone on that road trip, your parents had taken that trip, but you'd not been on that road, and you're getting ready to head out on that road. Well, your parents, having gone on that road, could tell you as you're setting out on that journey, well, you want to stay at this motel. You sure don't want to stay at that one. You want to eat here and eat there because they've got good food. We tried that restaurant. Don't stop there. It's not worth your money. They have been down the road. They can tell you what to look out for, what's good, what's bad. It's a lot like that in life, isn't it? Our parents have been down the road before we have. And they want us to avoid mistakes. They want us to find blessings. And so that's why we need to listen and learn. We're learning biblical things. We're learning practical things. Let me close this message with one last application. And this is an important one. We need to care for our parents. Our parents care for us when we're young We care for them as they grow old. That is the biblical pattern. And so we need to heed that. And we as God's people need to honor them by caring for them. Turn to Mark 7, just a moment. Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. I want to show you that Christ emphasized this application One by what he said and one by what he did. So there's two applications that Christ gives us. One in spoken form and one in visible form. Uh, The spoken form is found here in Mark chapter 7 and verse 9. He's having a conversation here with the religious leaders who really were poor leaders. And here's what he says. Mark 7 verse 9. And he said unto them, full well... Ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. That's what we're dealing with today. The fifth commandment. Right there it is. And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, he's referring there to those religious leaders. He's in their presence. You say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban. That is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. So he's calling them out by putting their traditional teachings Above the Word of God. And he uses this uh, kind of odd uh, example here. And so I want to explain what this means. The traditional teaching was by the rabbis that you could say to your parents, they taught the people this, you could say to your parents, 
that you were going to give them some help, financial help, but you didn't have to do that if you told them you were instead giving that money or those material possessions to the synagogue or to support the things of God. So korban there means a gift, a gift to the church. We might think of it like a tithe. It actually just means a gift. So they were basically empowering the people to dismiss the needs of their parents and cloak it with doing something religious. And Jesus says, how dare you? When you elevate this to the level of something important with authority, you have trumped the simple commandment of God, which says to honor your father and mother. And so the clear teaching here, once you sort through it all, is you take care of your mother and do what you should for your mother and father, and don't pretend that you honor them in the cloak of doing something for the synagogue. That's foolishness. You honor God by taking care of them. That's what he's teaching. Now, I said there was another way he stressed this, care for parents, and this was by an object lesson, not so much by what he said. Remember when Jesus was dying on the cross? There are seven things he uttered from the cross, seven specific things he said while he was dying in agony, suffering for our sins. And one of the things was when he saw his dear mother at the foot of the cross, she was there. And he said to John, the apostle who was always also there, he saw the two of them and he said this to John, John, behold your mother. And then he said, woman, said to his mother, woman, behold your son. What he was doing in that moment was he was entrusting his mother into John the Apostle's care. He had his mother on his heart and mind. Even in his dying and his suffering and his anguish. If that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what would. Honor your father and mother even as Christ honored his own mother in his dying hour. You have Paul also mentioning this in his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. He says this, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And the context of that is taking care of the widows. Families should take care of their widow women, of their widows, their mothers. It's not the church's primary responsibility to take care of widows, though it does fall to their concern, but it should be the family first, the children taking care of their elderly mothers. And if you don't do it, he says, you've denied the faith and you're worse than an infidel. How could that be? Because even pagan people take care of their own mothers. You're worse than a rank infidel if you don't do it. I think what he's writing and what he's saying in essence is this. If your faith doesn't work at home, it doesn't work at all. You know, faith without works is dead, right? 
And we sometimes think of faith as working at church. But if it doesn't work at home, it doesn't matter what it does at church. If you don't take care of your aging parents, then you're worse than an infidel and you've denied the faith. That's strong language. So this is practically speaking what it means to honor our father and our mother. One last thought and we'll pray. When we get to the end of our life or our parents get to the end of theirs and one of the two is going to happen. It'll either happen one way or the other. Either we'll go or they'll go. It's a wonderful thing if by the grace of God we can say I wasn't a perfect child, I don't claim to be anything like that. But if all of us could say, I'm thankful that I tried to honor my father and my mother instead of coming to that time with this thought, I wish I had honored my father and my mother. Think of the vast difference between those two positions. Don't you want to be in that category of person who can say, I'm thankful I honored them instead of I wish I had have honored them? Because the day is coming, it's going to be too late. Either they're going to go or you're going to go. So whatever we're going to do, we have to be doing it. Honor your father and mother. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we are thankful that you're our Heavenly Father. We are so very grateful. Nothing can equal that blessing than to be in your family. And then, Lord, we also want to give you thanks for an earthly father and an earthly mother. What great, great blessings they are in our lives. And we can all testify to that today. Lord, help us to honor them and help us to be a blessing to them and help us, Lord, in so doing to honor you. You have told us to do this. This is a commandment. And may we apply it in every possible way. May we go, may we go the extra mile. And when in doubt as to whether we should or shouldn't do something, may we keep that principle in mind with this honor Mom, with this honor, Dad, and help us to go in that direction. And we can never do enough to honor them the way they should be honored. So just bear this upon our soul and our spirit. Drive it deep within us. Make it a part of our thinking, a part of our attitude, and then it will come out in our actions. And may you be pleased and honored, and may they be blessed in every way. Is our prayer today. We pray in Jesus' name.